Hello everyone joining us online, welcome. My name is Stephen Cornaros, and I'm extremely excited to be joining the pastoral team here at Cornerstone. Pastor Terry asked me to share a little bit about my own life and how the Lord led me back into full-time ministry from government service. In fact, as of last month, I finished serving 11 years as a special agent with the FBI before changing careers and coming back into full-time ministry. I want to let you know, however, that I am tracking all of your devices, so I encourage you to put them in airplane mode. Uh, I'm totally kidding. Alexa, stop tracking everyone's devices. But seriously, though, uh, I've been reflecting the, in the past two years about my own life and the ups and downs and the ins and outs of where I've been. And the one thread that seems to prominently weave through the tapestry of my own life is that theme of surrender. And I've titled my message, Yielding to Grace, Cultivating the Inner Life Through a Lifestyle of Surrender. So we're going to continue with our Abide series about Christ being the true vine and us abiding in Him, but through the lens of surrender in the backdrop of my own life. And what I hope that will happen as I share the challenges and the triumphs in my own life, that there are points that you all are able to resonate with, be encouraged by, and maybe even challenged with through your own personal journeys. At the very least, I hope that in sharing my story, we can form a basis of, of relational connection as I begin to serve as a pastor here at Cornerstone. So let's dig right in. I'm going to be using a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And for background, the Apostle Paul is the author of this book. And it's actually the fourth letter to the Corinthian church. And it was written about 55, 56 AD to the church in Corinth, which is a city that was located in the Mediterranean during that time. And he was the founding uh, pastor of the church. And so he, he started the church and then continued you know, planting churches around that, the area. But he had these relationships with these churches that were, that were deep, like father-son, father-daughter relationships. So he's like a spiritual father to his spiritual children. And so when we read this, these scriptures, that should be kept in mind. And so as I read this, and I'm, I'm going to hope to render it in that manner where there's this um, closeness, this intimacy. There's also humor in here, I feel, the way he, he writes. It's, he kind of uses some humor to basically make a point about what he's trying to get to as he's boasting the Lord, sort of humbling him to basically stop boasting. And he's trying to make that point in kind of a humorous way, I feel. And so forgive me for my rendering, but I, I, I kind of see this in here and I, I want to be able to read it in that fashion. So let's proceed. I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say that again. When I am weak, then I am strong. Just reflecting on that. When I'm weak, then I am strong. How counterintuitive that is. But it's the way of the Lord. It's the way of the Lord. There is an aspect here of surrender that's not, hey, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm raising the white flag here. No, there's, Paul's coming to the conclusion that I can't lean on myself. And the Lord actually was gracious enough to allow this thorn in the flesh to keep him from relying on himself to becoming a vine unto himself. Because when we become a vine unto ourselves, we wither because we're not really attached to that which gives life. And so the Lord was gracious to Paul and he's expressing this. Hey, he's, he's actually kind of, he's boasting about himself to basically say, don't do that. Like, like it's almost a joke, right? Like he's talking about boasting. He's like, yeah, I have reason to boast. But the Lord is like, hey, you know, your, your strength, your energy, all that you are is coming from the vine. So don't, don't do that. I, I love the way Paul's real. He's authentic. And I appreciate that about him. And he shows this beautiful, strong side of surrender. That's something Pastor Terry coined in a uh, surrender series about a year ago. And this is what he said as, as a definition of the strong side of surrender. He said the following, it's a willingness to let go of things that are holding us back, to surrender them to the Lord and trust him with possibility. It has more to do with yielding and openness to what the Lord would want to do if we let him if we stop clutching and holding, instead open up our hands, allowing him to have his way. It's a worship word. I surrender to you, Lord. I yield myself. I'm open. So Lord, we thank you. And we come before you today and we invite you in this time. As we delve into your word, as we reflect upon things that you've done in my own life, that those who hear today, who are listening, would receive what you have for them to receive. Truth, the grace, any guidance, things that I've learned through those experience that will help in some way or another. May they come forward, may they come through in this time, that they would be encouraged. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So my background begins when I was born and I was born into a big fat Greek family. Okay. Yes. So the big fat Greek wedding, that whole, those movies pretty much spot on in terms, generally speaking, the stereotypical Greek, big personalities. I can attest to it because I am Greek, right? However, I was an oddball Greek in that sense that I am an introvert by nature. I grew, so I was born into a big fat Greek family and yet I'm the introvert. So I was like the black sheep, right? in that sense. And so I had to learn quick because not only was my family, the big fat Greek family at home, they were Greek Pentecostals. So they were, they were allowed not only at home, but at church too. Right? So man, I had to learn quick. It took me 15 years, but I, I adjusted eventually, you know, I'm still intrinsically introverted, but I've learned, I've learned to go and be an extrovert when I need to be. Right? So praise God. I'm so grateful for my family. They're wonderful. I wouldn't be here without them. Um, 
they, I was raised in the Lord. And even from a young age, I wanted to serve in the Lord's house and, and wanted to be in ministry. Uh, and even went to college and all of that to prepare myself for that. So that's my journey begins with that in mind. And fast forward to 2001, September 11th, 2001, actually, I was driving back from San Diego. I just finished a relationship with a gal that didn't work out. And I got to the point where um, I was like, hey, Lord, I need to give this part of my life to you. I need to surrender this part of my life because I keep messing it up and it's not working out. And it was at that point I actually started attending Cornerstone. And when I finally surrendered this big area of my life is when things started actually changing. Doors began opening. It was at that point I actually met my beautiful wife, Tara, at Cornerstone. We got married while I was here. I began serving on the worship team. I was even worked um, some side work here at Cornerstone at the buildings. And this became part of my home, my tribe. And it was a beautiful time of growth. And it was all because I surrendered this huge chunk of my life that I didn't want the Lord to have. I want it to be on for myself. And there was a breakthrough and I was super excited. And it was a good time. But then it got to the point where I was like, okay, Lord, I want to go into ministry. Like, let me, you know, let's do this. Right. And so I did want to work at Cornerstone, but there wasn't like openings or anything. So I was looking at, you know, different churches and there was one in the East Bay. And I, I came up to Pastor Terry and I said, hey, hey, PT, I am going to be taking this job in the East Bay. It's a, a worship leading job doing music um, for youth. And I just want to let you know and if you could pray for us. And he looked at me and he sort of had, you know, kind of disappointment in his eyes, which hurt because, you know, I, I was like, no, you know, I don't want to be sad for me. But he said this and he was very stern. He said, Stephen, where you're going to, they're not going to treat you like family. We here are your family. And I was really hoping you'd be part of our team here. And there was a part of that was like, oh man, it was like almost prophetic. The way he said it was like, this is going to happen, you know? And I was like, kind of freaking out. And at the same time, I was like, sad, you know, because I was like, yeah, well, I, I mean, if there was an opening, I'd, I'd want to be here. I actually ra would rather be here, but I was young. I was in my early twenties. I was impatient. You know, I just wanted to get to, you know, get to where I was wanting to go. So the Lord had some work to do with me, but long story short, Pastor Terry was completely right. I was totally not treated like family and not the way it should have been. Um, and I respected Pastor Terry for that. And he, you know, we never, it never was anything that was, that was, uh, didn't harm our relationship. It actually strengthened us. He was, I view Pastor Terry as a spiritual father. I actually have known him for almost uh, pushing 30 years, probably 25. I think I was my early teens. So there was, there was a history here at Cornerstone that I never forgot. And I, I couldn't even foresee the Lord would bring me all the way back here. And that's the story I'm going to be talking about, how the Lord's faithfulness through surrender has, has done these great things. So what happened was after, after this time, my wife and I moved to different places and I had different ministry positions doing music. Um, and so in one of these times, I was at a music seminar. So they have these worship seminars for uh, music directors at churches. And I was at one of these and it was at a huge church in the Sacramento area. And during a break time, the band was just practicing. I think I was like the only one in there other than the band. And they had these two big screens and this big stage. And they were just killer musicians. And I was super like in awe. I was like, wow, cool, you know, uh, in my early 20s there. And I had this interesting moment that I, 
I can only say that it was the Lord speaking. It wasn't audible, but it was like a thought resonated within my mind and in like my core that was very clear. And I knew it wasn't me. That's all I can explain it. And, he, and I heard the Lord say, Stephen, is this what you want? And I was like, man, I, I really feel like this is one of these big monumental questions. I think there's more to this. And I said, Lord, yes, to be honest, this is what I want, but I want more so, I want whatever you have for me. And those are my words of surrender. And about a year later, the actual surrender occurred. So fast forward a year from that point, I was at a, I was at a different ministry position. I was now the main worship director of this church. And the church had a brand new building, big stage, two, you know, the two big screens on each side, the lights, the whole nine yards. I was in San Diego. I was making a decent salary for that sort of career path in that area. And I was like, you know, it looked like I had everything I thought I, I prayed about and wanted in my life at that moment, at that time. And, and yet I felt this lack of contentment and I kind of praised the Lord, you've given me all this, all I asked for, and I still feel, I don't feel content. I feel like I'm missing something. You see, as I look back and reflect on my life, I find that there's points the Lord does these things where he is waiting for us actually to yield to him, to surrender things to him. But since we're not quite ready to do it, he allows us to experience the fullness of those things that we want in order to realize that they don't satisfy and they don't truly fulfill to the depths of our soul. So that was one of those moments that I came to that realization. See, C.S. Lewis has a, a quote in his book. It's called From the Problem of Pain. That's the book it's from. And he says this about surrender and about our, our connection with the Lord and that yielding. He says this, the proper good of a creature is to surrender itself to its creator, to enact intellectually, volitionally, and emotionally that relationship which is given in the mere fact of its being a creature. When it does so, it is, ha it is good and happy. So what C.S. Lewis is saying is that the posture of surrender and when I mean posture, I mean the way we respond to the circumstances in our life, that posture towards the Lord, that is something intrinsic to us as humans, that he made us to have this need. And I would say the entryway into better things through the door of surrender. So when he says, when it does this, when, he, when it does so, it is good and happy, when we reflect on that as Christians, I come before my creator and I say, okay, Lord, I surrender this aspiration to you, whatever it is. And when I do that, it's like a door unlocks and I'm able to walk to a deeper place in him. Not only is there freedom in that surrender, there is actually a greater growth as a human being, as a person in Christ. Not only do we become more confident in the Lord, but we become more reliant upon him, which gives us more strength. It's that in my weakness, God's power is made perfect. That's where that aspect comes. And in it, we find strength somehow. It's very strange, but in that surrender, we find strength. And that's what happened for me at that moment in time 
here. What I did when I got to this point of why am I feeling discontent? I realized the Lord revealed to me, Stephen, you're putting your aspirations as a worship director above me, above pursuing me. And even though it was a godly thing, like it's a godly thing to want to pursue ministry. But when I put it above the God I'm trying to serve, then all it's going to do is come to nothing but destruction for myself. And so I eventually left ministry in that form. I didn't stop playing music or doing any of that, but I stopped it. It was no longer my career. And I didn't know when I was going to go back. I still desired to do it, but I knew I had to let it go. And I did. And I did so gratefully. The Lord prepared me for it. He didn't make it super difficult to go, okay, Lord, I just had a, I spoke the word of Lord. I'm willing to let things go. And he gave me the strength to do it. God is gracious and patient that way. And so I did. And after that, I started looking for new work. You know, my wife is not very happy with me because I left a job and I had no job at all. And we like lived with her parents for a little bit. And I was looking and doing random things for a while. And eventually I actually put in for the FBI. Honestly, like I had, other than having a, the basic requirement, the basic minimum requirements for being an FBI agent, I had nothing, no prior law enforcement experience, no prior military, just a, a desire to serve my country, I had a clean record, you know, decent work experience. And I spoke a little Greek, never helped me, but hey, it was there. So what happened was I, I actually got in. And it was a time where they needed a lot of people. And I was able to, uh, the Lord allowed me to go through that. I was there 11 years. The Lord blessed me and granted me favor in that. And I did the work and um, I tried to honor the Lord in it. And I thought I was going to be there till I retired. I just figured that. I said, well, Lord, I guess this is where you have me. The, the thing is that I always felt like a square peg in a round hole. Like I was doing something I wasn't made to do, but yet the Lord had me there for a season. And I want to pause there because the Lord, I believe, allows us to go through seasons of growth in places we're not naturally designed for to show us what we are designed for. And I, I pick up that. That's actually from a quote my brother uh, Christopher sent to me. And it was from a, a pastor that he knew. Basically, he wrote it down on his notes and he didn't know who the pastor was. He couldn't find it. And so he just gave me the quote. And so I'm putting it as unknown. So forgive me for whoever pastor actually wrote this, like give you credit in the Lord, even though I don't know your name. He said this, God puts you in a place you're not designed for to show you what you are designed for. For me, that's exactly what my season at the FBI was. I always felt a little out of water there, you know, and though the Lord blessed it, he allowed me to, uh, the ability to purchased property. We, my wife and I designed a, our beautiful dream home and all these things that all these aspirations I had, I was able to, I always wanted to serve um, in the military or, or the government in some way. And the Lord allowed that. He, he gave me those things I had aspired to, to from a, a young child that were like side aspirations to ministry. And he allowed me to go through them, to receive them for two things, to show what I'm actually designed for, to, to, to keep them from becoming distractions in my life. And then being ready to go with what he actually had me, which is ministry. And that's what I believe. And I say that because each and every one of us, the Lord has wired us to do something. For me, it's ministry. For, for you, it might be something different. And sometimes the Lord might take you through seasons to help prepare you for that very thing you are built to do. And unfortunately, we have to have a lot of patience in that and be able to wait on the Lord for that process. 
but it comes. He has that in mind and he's patient with us. He's so patient because he wants us to succeed and bless him in those things. So coming back to my story, here I am. I'm at a place where I'm like, again, like, okay, I got the, I got the house. I got the job. I got these things, Lord. And I'm, I'm feeling like I'm still at a place and not feeling that contentment that I sensed during those times when I was actually serving in the church. And I started remembering, getting these nostalgic times where I was, when I was serving. In fact, I started volunteering at a, at a church, being the, the worship leader at, at one. And I recalled how, what, what fulfillment I felt, how right it felt. I didn't feel like a square peg in a round hole. I felt like a, a, a round object in a round hole, you know, like it, it fit, it was right. And I was like, Lord, I miss this. If I, I really do want to go back, but how can I give up this job, you know, tell, ask my wife to leave and like, you know, get a pay cut and do something different, you know, and change careers like this. And, but Lord, you know, if it's your will, I just released that to you. And I, I it was stirring in my heart you know, starting June 20, June, 2021. That's when it really started coming real to me. You know, before it was like nostalgia and all that. But then the Lord is like, no, I, I want you to do this. And the Lord made it as of September 2021 that things shifted at work where I actually had a reason to be looking for different jobs. And, and so I started doing so. Well, I kept putting in for worship leading positions in a different state in South Carolina where my family's from uh, or moved to because I just assumed we'd go there. And I kept getting the door closed. And I was like trying to figure out like, I'm like, come on, who wouldn't want an FBI agent? You got a gun in one hand and a guitar in the other, you know? No, I'm kidding. But it's just like, like, I was like, what am I not hip enough? You know, I know I'm in my forties now. Maybe it's just, I'm not cool enough to be doing that anymore. And I was just kind of getting discouraged and just confused. And I was like, okay, Lord, if this really is you that I'm sensing, I don't understand what's going on. Well, I remember very clearly, it was January 22nd. And I was, it was during my time with the Lord where I was reading scripture I was reading the Bible and there was a scripture in Matthew, Matthew 19, 29. That was, uh, it was towards the end of the, of the reading of the day. And it said this, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And I, I don't know something about that scripture. I just, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm willing to do that. Like I'm willing to give this up. I'm ready to go serve, serve you in, in the church and however you want. It's my heart's desire to do so. And so I'm willing to do this. And I just mulled over that. And I, and I was just kind of like sad at the same time, a little melancholy. I went outside with my wife and we went for a walk around our neighborhood. And I started telling her, hey, you know, I'm really bummed. Like I, I keep getting rejected when I'm putting in for these jobs, these ministry jobs. And and I said to her, you know, maybe I should be looking at different ministry positions, you know, maybe like a young adults pastor or discipleship pastor or campus pastor, something different that maybe it's not music, maybe because really music is just the medium that the Lord is using to do what I love, which is encouraging people. You know, that's really what I love to do is encouraging others in the faith. And I just happen to be doing that through music. And so I can do that in other ways, I was telling my wife. And it was the first time I finally had that shift happen. Well, literally an hour later, I find myself at my computer doing my taxes. And as a side note, Pastor Mike is also my tax guy. 
He's on the pastoral team. And it just reminded me, oh yeah, Pastor Bikes works at Cornerstone. And then it reminded me of Pastor Terry. Uh, I haven't talked to him in like years. So it was like since COVID, I just, you know, lost, lost contact a little bit. So I just emailed him like, how are you doing? Long story short, he, he actually offered me one of the positions. Weren't, they weren't music positions. They were just like one of the, it was a campus pastor position that was open. He said, I really would like you to, to put in for that. And I told my wife and I was like, Pastor Terry has asked me to need to consider maybe putting in for this. And he's, she's like, really? And it's like, yeah. And I said, like, well, after what you just, we just talked about, it seems kind of, kind of strange that all of a sudden happened. So, you know, maybe it's the Lord. And, and so that's what we did. I put in, I put in for the, the, the job and we had an interview. It was February 4th. I remember it so clearly. It was Friday, February 4th. And we came down to stay at a hotel before the interview. And I got up in the morning and I, again, I spent time with the Lord and I have a Bible app. And what it has is like, it has certain scripture readings. They're different every day. They're not, they don't go like in a chronological order. They just kind of, they pick a epistle and uh, new Testament scripture, typically like the gospel and an epistle. And I don't know what it is from day to day. I just open it up. It goes off the church calendar. And what happened was I opened it and both the gospel reading and the epistle reading were all about Christ being chief cornerstone. And I'm like, what are the chances of that happening? Me opening it on the day of my interview and it says Christ being chief cornerstone. And I'm already wrestling. Lord, is this you? Are you calling me here? You're, you know, I was planning on going one direction. You're calling me back the other direction. So, you know, we're going from like, you know, a least, less expensive area to a more expensive area, you know, that sort of thing. And it's, it was like, so I knew the Lord needed to confirm it in us to make sure, yeah, this is, this is me. And I read that and I'm like, oh my gosh. And just out of research, I was just out of curiosity. I actually looked up later on how often the word cornerstone is actually in the Bible, the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. And it's only happened six times and it's only in certain renderings of scripture. And so <laughs> all of the scripture reading of that day had cornerstone three times and only in the New Testament. So this infinitesimal like coincidence, right? And then literally two minutes later, Pastor Terry, I receive a text from Pastor Terry as I'm still in awe about this saying, hey, brother, you know, excited that you're, uh, you're coming safe travels, looking forward to talking with you, something to that effect. And I was like, oh my. And for me, that was like, I needed that. I needed that supernatural intervention to go, this is me, Stephen, this is my stamp that I'm with you. And I'm like, okay, Lord. My, my wife, I told her about it and she, she was like, wow, that's crazy. But she was you know, not as excited about, you know, leaving our, our home and stuff and, and coming to the Bay Area to be in a lot smaller place and all of that. So that was, that was a whole different part of the story, which I'll go into. But after I had that, had the interview, it was beautiful. Like Pastor O'Dallis and, and Pastor Terry and I were all talking, just our hearts were resonating with one another in terms of this being a good fit. And it just was good. For a month, my wife and I wrestled back and forth about about deciding if we're going to do this or not. And we can never get on the same page. And it got to the point after a month that I had to just text, um, text the pastors and say, you know, Tara and I are not in alignment on this yet. And so I, I can't go unless we're, we're together on it. So feel free to look for another person. I, I really want to, to be there, but you know, I, we need to be together on this. And, and so again, I had to come to this place 
of surrender and surrender the very thing I believe the Lord actually wanted me to do because I was literally praying to the Lord, Lord, this is the desire of my heart. Lord, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I wanted this since I was like in my mid twenties, you know, and coming back around like this was almost like crazy. And, but yet at the same time, uh, the Lord was like, almost was to me, when I look back on it, it was like, the Lord is like, I don't want Cornerstone to become your God. I don't want this opportunity. Just like in the past, I want, this is a gift of service that I have for you, but I want your eyes on me. Are your eyes on me, Stephen? And I said, Lord, as much as it is difficult, I just release this to you and I surrender it because I love my wife and I love my marriage. And I know that that is my priority right now. And if this is you, you're going to speak to her. And so I released it. And I remember that day it was hard and I'm crying even now because I remember how hard it was. Um, and I went to my office and it was like, I was Eeyore all day. Everyone's coming up to me. It's like, all right, are you okay? You know? And I was just super bummed. And then I come home and my wife came up to me. She's like, Hey, I had this idea that we could turn our house into a vacation rental and maybe we could keep it and we could, you know, possibly like have it. And you can, we can go down to the Bay area and you can be pastor there and I can manage the, the Airbnb from, from down. I mean, the vacation rental from, from the Bay area. And I was like, well, we talked about that already. You're not into it. And she's like, I don't know, but something changed in me. I, I I'm interested in looking at it. Cause I think we could, it, it could be really good. And I'm like, Oh, please don't get my hopes up, honey. And she's like, well, let me do the research on and get back to you. So a few weeks went by and I'm like, you know, kind of telling Pastor Terry, hey, I know you guys are looking, and I'm not telling you to stop looking for someone, but just want you to know what's developing here. There's a small, tiny chance, you know, things might shift. I don't know. Well, long story short, things totally did shift. And miraculously enough, my wife's whole mindset upon the whole thing shifted, and it was God. It was completely the Lord. And I remember that week because... I woke up one day and I got a text from my brother because I asked my brother Christopher to pray for me. Um, and he said, and I asked him to pray and I said, hey, if you hear anything from the Lord, let me know. Um, and so he said to me, hey, I was praying for you. And I didn't tell him a whole lot about the whole situation at all. I didn't tell him anything other than I had this opportunity and then I'm praying about you know it. And I didn't mention much else at all. And he said to me, this is what I heard from the Lord. And mind you, this is something was specific for me because it was something actually, it was prayers I would pray to the Lord. And my brother who knew nothing about that said to me, I heard this, the Lord says, do what's on your heart and don't miss this opportunity. And those are the very things I actually prayed to the Lord during this whole time. I would say, Lord, this is the desire of my heart and I don't want to miss this opportunity. And I'm like, okay, God, I know that's you. And he heard from me because I didn't tell him anything. I didn't mention to anybody that I prayed like that. And when he did that, I would just felt like something shifted. And I was like, something changed here, <laughs> you know? And then two days after that, my wife goes, okay, I had something weird happen. I woke up in the middle of the night and honey, you know me, like when I wake up in the middle of the night for something, I, I I'm brain dead. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I just do whatever and then go back to bed. And so, but this time I woke up and I literally had the lyrics to a song in my head and a melody. And it said, take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I knew that when I heard that in that moment, the Lord was saying, I want you to go serve at Cornerstone that we're supposed to do this. And I was like, wow. And I was like, thank you, Lord, you know, and 
so the Lord, once again, I surrendered, even that very thing he wanted me to do, that surrendering was the key that unlocked that, that next level. And I share that because there's things in each and every one of our lives, and this is a constant thing. This is a, this is a constant obstacle that comes before us, needing to surrender in order to grow. And we will do that probably until the day we leave this earth. The Lord is always calling us to give us more of ourselves. And the more we do, the more we become who we were meant to be. The more we grow as a person, the more we become more like the vine and the fruit that comes from us is more like the fruit he wants us to produce. I, I share that because that's something I believe many of you might be at a place of today, an intersection, a crossroad where the Lord's asking you to maybe give up something or push something out of the way to come to a deeper place in him. My daughter, who's 15 years old, had a party at our house. I think it was her, my other daughter. We, anyway, we transformed our house a bit because it was like a sleepover. And I, uh, we put a TV in her room that's not usually there and we put it on her dresser. And the TV actually was sitting there for a couple days after the party because we forgot about it. And behind her, on her dresser, were pictures of Christ and some other heroes of the faith. And she comes up to me and uh, because the TV was still there and she said, Baba, which is dad in Greek, daddy in Greek. And she says, Baba, can you, can you move the TV? Because it's blocking my, it's blocking the pictures of Jesus and I'm forgetting to pray. And, and I was like, of course, honey, I'll, let me, I'll chuck this out the window. Gosh, it was like, as a dad, hearing her desire Christ, seeing an obstacle that was keeping her from reminding her to pray and asking me to remove it was like, oh man, as a dad, that's one thing. But just thinking about that as a Christian, how many things, how often there's things that come and try to take our attention, who, that distract us and the Lord is asking us to remove it out of the way so we can look at his face. So we can run towards him and be part of the vine. As the, as the, the next part of this time will be a song called Crowns that the band is going to be playing. And it's basically a prayer about casting down our crowns, about our wealth being in the cross, of denying ourselves. And as we, as you listen to this song, let it be a prayer to you, a time of reflection where you are able to maybe, if you want to sing it or just listen to it, or even speak the words as you read it, let it wash over you. Let it be a prayer of surrender if there's things that come to mind that the Lord might be coming to mind right now that he wants you to lay down, to take up his arms, to go towards his embrace and remove those things that are impeding you from him. So I encourage you as, you as we do this now, as we listen to this, let that be a prayer. Let that be a song in your heart today. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for this time we've had together to reflect on the good things that you've, yes, done in, our, in my life, but the good things you want to do in all of our lives through a lifestyle of surrender and of trusting in you, of removing the obstacles that keep us from you so we can remain in you and be strong and abide in you and, and grow and have fruit and have that the true joy, true fulfillment, which is found only in you. You've made us beings that are in, intrinsically made to surrender and so Lord, I ask for that. And I pray, Lord, that you would do the work you want to do in each and every one of us. We love you and we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
I bless you. Thank you for the time you've allowed me to speak to you. May the Lord's grace be upon you. His face, his face and his, his illuminescence shine upon you. His peace be with you. His embrace overshadow you and bring you peace. God bless you.
let this be our confession that our wealth is in the cross. We want to give God our crowns. We want to give him our best. He loves us so much. He doesn't make us follow him. He invites us to do it. Remember that the Lord will never force your love, but he wants it. And don't ever forget how loved you are. He loves you. He gave everything for you and me too. I thank you, Lord, for that. And my prayer for you is that you would stay close to the Lord, that you would abide in him, yield and surrender to his grace. And may he keep you. May he keep you loved one in every way, in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind. And yes, in your body as well. That is my prayer for all of you in Jesus name.